You're listening to a North Valley Church podcast. Thanks so much for joining. For more information and resources, you can visit us online at northvalley.org. All right, well, good morning. Great to be with you guys today. I want to tell you about the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. Uh, Some of us are in a crisis, perhaps, of sorts in life. I think there's a lot of different issues that we can wrestle with in times of tension. Uh, Perhaps this generation is a generation uh, that's experienced a number of crises that no other generation has experienced to the same magnitude and frequency. Uh, I can think about the the great uh, fiasco of the foreclosures or the Great Recession. Uh, In fact, uh, there can be a good thing that happens in the midst of these crises too. I mean, for example, our campus was purchased in that Great Recession. Uh, We've dealt with all sorts of crises in life before. Today, what we're going to look at is that the greatest crisis, the crisis of faith, When 2,000 years ago, the body of the Lord Jesus went missing. Um, Some of us are in perhaps a crisis of faith, of questioning whether Jesus Christ is really who he says he is, and what does the Bible have to say about it. Um, But all sorts of crises that we've experienced, uh, we could relate to. The corona crisis with the quarantines and the lockdowns, uh, the labor crisis that's going on in our country right now. There seems to be an abundance of people that just don't want to work. There's a supply chain crisis. You go and you try to buy something and they tell you, I'm sorry, and they blame it on corona. And you're like, give me a break, Uh, Even for example, with our campus, we can't get power to our uh, new building because there's a transformer shortage in the state of Arizona. Maybe all the power is being supplied over there to the new Taiwanese plant right up the road. I don't know. But there's a shortage of supplies, and we face all sorts of crises. How about the energy crisis? How many of you are excited about going to the pumps and paying what you're paying? There's an energy crisis. There's an educational crisis in our education system. Never before have parents been so frustrated and so many controversial topics have been integrated into our educational system and folks are having an incredibly tough time. Then there's the crisis of, of the war in the Ukraine. Uh, where we see this happening, and then as a ripple effect, there is said to be a coming famine, not only in the world, but even in our own country. Um, There is all sorts of crisis, and you and I have got to make a decision. How are we going to live in a state of crisis? I said before, during the pandemic, I said, we as a church, we got two options in a crisis. Either you get creative and you figure out how to keep moving on in life, or you get crushed. You get one or the other. You get creative or you get crushed. And today what we're going to do is we're going to look at this crisis of faith in the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There's a crisis. The disciples had a crisis of faith. Uh, they, 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 they see that Jesus is dead Then they see, they hear reports that he's alive, and they wonder where he is. For the Jewish people, there was a crisis of religion. 
because they are the ones who put Jesus Christ to death in collaboration with the Roman Empire. For them, they were very, very concerned about the idea of this missing body. They wanted to fabricate a body. They wanted to spread a lie and say that the disciples stole Jesus from this tomb. And there was a crisis of religion because if Jesus Christ really had raised from the dead, then Judaism, as they understood it, and the religious practices would be greatly threatened. And so there was a religious crisis on that first Easter morning. Not only that, but there was a political crisis that was going on in the, on this first Easter. The Roman officials were pretty frustrated about the idea that Jesus Christ was called King of the, help me out, Jews, there you go. And so any king that would stand in opposition to the king that had been appointed would have been seditious, and any idea of a king being alive would only add to his power and a greater threat to Rome and the Roman peace that was being established. It was no peace, my friends. But the missing body of Jesus Christ was a crisis for, for all in that day. And today, what we're going to look at is the, the gospel account in Luke chapter 24. At this church, we like to teach through the Bible. If you want to join us on the following Sundays, we teach through the Bible. You need to know that. If you've got a Bible, go ahead and open it up on a smartphone. If you've got a Bible with you, a hard copy, Luke chapter 24. Luke is a historian. How many of you guys like history? Raise your hand. I was talking to a gentleman earlier. He comes from a, an Eastern religion perspective, and we were having the conversation about Jesus Christ, and I told him, you know what's so amazing about Christianity? It is such, not, it is such an intelligent faith. There's so much archaeology. There's so much historicity. That's a big word for me. I'm from Arkansas. So historicity, and, and it, there's so much historical archaeology supports it, prophecy, everything. Luke is a historian. He writes and records. He's been commissioned. He's also a doctor. So it's kind of like a doctor and a historian. Sound familiar? Dr. Indiana Jones. We have Dr. Luke. So we're looking at the gospel account of, uh, of Luke and we're going to look at not only that the message of Easter is that Jesus Christ is alive, but Luke is going to show us in the gospel or in the, uh, the book of Acts that he's not only alive, but he's coming back. In the midst of a crisis, all of us need one thing that is incredible for our lives, and that is hope. You and I need hope. Today's message is about hope. You need hope for every day. You need hope for tomorrow. You need hope, and you can find that hope in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Let's look, though, at this crisis of faith. First, let's look at uh, on the chapter 24. It says, But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking spices that they had prepared. They show up early in the morning. They would have liked to have gone on, the, on Saturday. Jesus was crucified on a Friday. They would have liked to have gone on a Saturday, but their Jewish tradition said you can't go on the Sabbath, so they went on Sunday. These ladies are going to the tomb, and they bring spices. And what that indicates is that they were actually expecting Jesus to be there dead. They were expecting a funeral, and so they go into this place where Jesus had been buried, verse 2, and they found the stone rolled away. There's a problem, verse 3, but when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And while they were there, they were perplexed about this, about this two men uh, were there in dazzling apparel. These are angels. 
uh, they're ministers and messengers of God's grace. They're servants to the saints. Many of us have said, you know, uh, I've heard believers say before, I had an angel encounter or I hear these kinds of things. And there is some level of skepticism. However, angels do exist and they are ministers and messengers uh, for God. And they're servants to the saints. And they're there to serve as a supernatural reassurance that anyone, especially these folks and Jesus' disciples, that can have hope in the midst of their crisis. Verse 5 shows us, it says, and, and as they were frightened, they bowed their faces down to the ground and said to them, the angels speak up, why do you seek the living among the dead? Verse 6, he is not here, but he has, help me out, risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and crucified on the third day rise again. The message of Jesus Christ about his death, his burial, and his resurrection, all this was foretold. It was all prophesied. And the angels say to these ladies that are frantic and worried, thinking there's going to be a funeral and a dead body, do you not remember all the prophecies? This is recorded in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Those are the synoptic gospels. All of the gospel writers captured that prophecy. In verse 8, it says, And they remembered his words. Some of you need to be reminded. You need to be reminded that God is still at work, that there is hope in any situation, no matter what setback you have going on in your life. God wants to resurrect and help a comeback, that you grow in your faith, that you stand strong and you know who you are. Know that God has a purpose and a plan. It says in verse 9, in returning from the tomb, they told these things to the eleven and to all the rest. These ladies go, they go to the disciples and we know him as the 12 disciples, but there's 11. One had betrayed him. His name is, help me out, Judas. He betrays him for 30 pieces of silver, which, by the way, is a prophecy. He, he feels the remorse, and then he goes and he hangs himself. But look what the disciples' response. These ladies come in telling, hey, hey, the body of Jesus is gone. But we remembered because the angels told us that all this would happen. Don't you remember? Verse 10, now it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the other women who told these things to the apostles. Verse 11, but these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. I think it's easy to forget in the midst of a crisis what's going on. I don't know who in this crowd perhaps got deeply rocked and shocked by the current crisis that we've been facing over the last five, six years of our life, or 10 years, how about that? But did you know that Jesus Christ wants you to be able to walk through any crisis with a still a tremendous amount of hope and reassurance? But isn't it true that sometimes when a crisis hits, we kind of forget, we forget, and we become cynical. We can become frustrated, we don't think clearly. These disciples weren't thinking clearly. It's easy to become lackadaisical, apathetic, or skeptical and say things like, I don't think so. I doubt it. But the Christian life is, we're called to have hope, to have faith, to be strong. These disciples, they're losing hope. What's really interesting to me is if you look at the rest of the gospel accounts, when these women are, witness the angelic appearance of the angel, 
the angels say to these women, go tell the disciples, but listen, you go tell Peter. He's the only disciple that's named. Why is he named to know this news about the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Two reasons. Number one, Peter would be a leader for the church. Number two, probably the Lord wanted to redeem Peter because Peter, he not only heard the prophecies about Jesus Christ, his death, his burial, and his resurrection, but Jesus also predicted that Peter would betray him not once, not twice, but how many times? Three times. So imagine Peter dealing with that. He loved Jesus Christ. He didn't want to get these prophecies wrong anymore. Some of you have had God work in your life in a very, very powerful way. You have betrayed him. You have turned your back on him. You've shut him out. The stone has been rolled over, and you ask the question, God, do you still love me? Do you still care for me? Here's what's amazing. The angels, ministers, messengers, servants for the saints. I imagine God the Father spoke to the angels and Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit all commissioning these angelic uh, announcements. This is what needs to happen. Go tell the disciples, but do not forget Peter. Do not forget Peter. So what happens? Let's see what happens. Verse 12, it says that Peter rose. So he's the one out of the 11 that says, I want to go find out what's going on here. Some of you are like that. You're very impulsive. You're excited. You're fired up. Peter does that. He runs to the tomb, stooping in, looking in. He sees the linen cloths by themselves. There is no body. And then the scripture says that he went home marveling at what happened. He probably remembered the prophecies. He probably thought about how he denied the Lord Jesus three times. And he's probably wondering, Lord, if you're back and you're alive, I want to make things right with you. Some of us need to make things right. I think there's some important truths for all of us in a season of crisis. Number one, you need to know that everyone loses hope at some time or another. Peter had lost hope. The disciples had lost hope. The most committed followers that were witnessed of Jesus Christ are losing hope. Let's see how this happens. Verse 13, it says, uh, the very day the two of them two disciples are walking down this road to this village named Emmaus, about seven miles outside of Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about the things that had happened. Continuing on, it says in verse 15, while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself draws near with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. Continuing on in verse 17, and he said to them, what is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, Luke the historian notes, they stood still looking sad. Uh, We don't know exactly who these disciples are. We do have one name. Jesus reappears, these folks have lost hope. The most committed followers are losing hope. Verse 18, it says, Then one of them named Cleopas. Everybody say Cleopas. There you go. If you named your kid Cleopas, boy, I'm sorry. No, actually, that would be a great name. Some of you are probably going to tell me, I have got a kid named Cleopas. Uh, Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, 
And he says, are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? Let me elaborate just for a minute. One is, is that church history records that Cleopas is actually the uncle of Jesus. Now, the Bible doesn't say that, but it very well could be. Uh, other historians and commentators, theologians alike, think as well that the other, God, the other disciple that was there when Jesus shows up on this road is Luke. Um, but what we see is there's a question. Jesus shows up in the midst of their doubt, in the midst of their discouragement. Some of you need to be reminded that Jesus Christ is showing up today in the midst of any situation that you face to remind you, even though you may lose hope, he has not lost hope in you. They're, they're asking this question, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem? Do you not know the things that have happened here? What's happened? A great number of things have happened that uh, is gone on. There's been an arrest there's been a false uh, a, a trial. There's been a, a crucifixion. There's been a burial. There's been a resurrection. There's been rumors spread that his body has, has been stolen. There's rumors now that he's alive. All sorts of things have happened. There's a tremendous amount of tension. Not only that, but maybe you did not know this, but at the time of the crucifixion, the Bible records that there was a massive earthquake. Well, those of you that have been in an earthquake before know how ter terrifying that can be. The Matthew, the, the gospel writer, records that at the earthquake, it was such a tremendous, violent earthquake that the centurion who had helped execute Jesus Christ stops, pauses, begins to fall apart, and says, truly, this must be the Son of God. The entire sky turned black. Lots of things were happening. Not only that, but at the resurrection of Jesus Christ, when the stone rolled away, another earthquake hit and rolled the stone away. All sorts of things have been happening. So let's look at the response. Let's look at Jesus' response. Uh, he's been told that all sorts of things have been happening, and then he says, well, what things? And then they respond and said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, uh, who was a prophet mighty indeed in word before God and all the people and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. But we had hoped that he was the one who would redeem Israel. They wanted a kingdom. They knew Jesus could be a mighty, powerful king. And yet, he did all sorts of miracles. He healed the lame. He raised the dead. He preached the most simple sermon and it confounded the wise. He was a powerful miracle worker. They knew that he could establish a new kingdom and they had prophetic insight and understanding that Jesus Christ or the Messiah would return one day and establish a kingdom and rid uh, Romans' overarching power and governmental control. They wanted that, but then they asked the question, why didn't he save himself? He was on the cross and he didn't save himself? And in a sense, they, all hope was lost. These disciples had really high hopes, but they're wondering how in the world could this happen? You ever been there before? You ever have really high hopes? That something's going to go great? And then it starts to fall apart. 
Some of you put so much faith and hope in our political system, so much that it would verge on idolatry. And then when the individual, the leader, does not do what you want, you question everything. Some of you have put so much hope in a person that they would be, in a sense, your functional savior, saving you and fulfilling every need you have. No one and nothing is worthy of placing all our hope in other than Jesus Christ. They wanted a kingdom. They wanted an earthly kingdom, and Jesus wasn't doing it according to his, their timetable. Some of you have put your faith and hope in a job only to lose it. Some of you have put your faith and hope in an economy, and it's crashed. Some of you have put your hope and faith in your health, and you've gotten some progress. And then you get the bad news report, and it's not going well. The only thing that we can put our hope in fully is in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. We all have crises in our life and we all lose hope. But you need to know something, ladies and gentlemen. Hope has never lost you. Hope is Jesus Christ. He's the author and perfecter of our faith. He is the hope. Hope never loses you. The Bible tells us that God is spirit. He's not only uh, uh, Jesus Christ in bodily form, but he's also spirit. So what does that mean? That means on every place in the planet that God is present. He can be everywhere all at once. Through the power and the work of the Holy Spirit, did you know Christianity is the largest religion in the world? And today we are celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that he is alive and he is coming back. Hope has never lost you. The Bible tells us that Jesus demonstrated this, that though they lost hope, he didn't lose them. Later, it tells us that their eyes were open and the disciples began to get it, and then all of a sudden he vanishes. Verse 36 says, And as they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said, Peace be to you. You and I need a peace that is supernatural. You need to be the person that God wants you to be. You need to be the person that God has called you to be and experience what the Bible calls abundant life. There's no way to experience abundant life without the person and the work of Jesus Christ in your life. You need a peace that supersedes all understanding. Jesus Christ said to these frightened, discouraged, doubtful disciples, peace be with you. I want to pray right now, pause, I just sense I should do it. I want to pray for you to experience the peace of Christ. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, right now in the mighty name of Jesus, you are the peacemaker. Lord, we receive your peace right now. We thank you for the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, the clarity of your word. Might you strengthen us even more now to dig in and see what you're doing in our lives and around the world. In Jesus' name, everybody said... Amen. The Bible tells us in verse 37 that they were startled and frightened. And they thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your hearts? And then verse 39, see how hope has never lost a hold of them. It says, Jesus reaches forward and he extends his hand and he says, see my hands and my feet. He'd been crucified. He says, touch me and see for a spirit does not have flesh and bones and see that I have. 
Verse 40, and when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet, and they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling at what he said. And then he says to them, which is very interesting to me, he says to them, he appears suddenly, he asks a very profound question, very pressing question. He says to these frightened, discouraged disciples, supernaturally appears. Some say he walked through the locked doors and the walls, literally just able to walk through the wall. He says to them, peace be with you. And then he asks a question. He says, do you have anything to eat? That's his question. Do you have anything to eat? Why would he do that? I think he was doing that because he wanted to clarify that he is Jesus Christ, the same Jesus that was crucified physically. He reveals himself in all of his humanity and yet all of his deity. It says they gave him a broiled fish and he took it and he ate it before them. And then he said to them, these are the words that I've spoken to you while I was still with you. Everything about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And then he opened their minds and they understood the scriptures. And he said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and the third day rise from the dead. And repentance and for the forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in all his name in all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things and behold, I'm sending you the promise of my father upon you. But stay in the city until you're clothed from power on high. And he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. And while he blessed them, he parted from them. And the Bible says he was carried up into heaven. Some of us have seen these hot air balloons in the North Valley, and they're pretty spectacular looking. Jesus Christ visibly is lifted up, taken up. Imagine from this courtyard, if I just shot up in the air right now, you would be in awe. Jesus Christ literally did that. Why did he do that? Why did he leave? Well, the Bible tells us that he left in order to accomplish several things. He left so that he could go and prepare a place for them. He left, the Bible says, that unless Jesus Christ leaves, the Holy Spirit will not come. He left so that he could serve as an advocate for you at the right hand of God. The Bible tells us that because Jesus Christ is present next to God the Father, he advocates for you, that he is a mediator for you on your behalf. You may lose hope, but hope has not lost you. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, the message of Jesus Christ is that for God so loved the world, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him would never perish but have everlasting life. Jesus has revealed himself. He has educated these individuals But the great news of Easter is not just that Jesus Christ is alive. The great news of Easter is also, it is number three, hope for the future. You and I have an incredible hope. The Christians should be, in our world, the most optimistic people on the planet. We have an incredible hope for the future as believers. 
Let's pick up in Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. Uh, Dr. Luke, the historian doctor, will recount again the details of Jesus Christ, his message to his disciples, and then with more clarity, a little more notes, and a little more depth, like 3D definition or HD, provides some great insight into his ascension. Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. It says, in the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up. After he had given his commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. After the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension, um, Jesus Christ, he had come and presented himself for 40-day period to his disciples, and his mega theme, his teaching, his message was about the kingdom. He was talking about the kingdom that one day he would establish. And verse, continuing on, uh, this is uh, on the minds of everybody. Continuing on, verse 3, he says, And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, you baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And so when they had come together, they asked the Lord, Are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel at this time? They're wanting to know, is this it? Because the Bible has talked about that God in the last days would pour out his spirit and then establish a new kingdom. So they rightfully understood that something was about to happen. They knew, they knew in some level or form or fashion that God was up to something. Little did they know it would be a long time of waiting for God's restoration plan to establish a kingdom on earth fully. Verse 7, he said to them, it's not for you to know the times and the seasons the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Verse 9, and when he said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. The disciples are there. Jesus has presented himself for 40 days. Look, my hands. Look, my side. I've got Bible studies for you. Jesus is walking through the prophets. He's walking through uh, the Psalms. He's walking through all the scriptures and showing that he is the risen Lord. He is the Messiah. He is the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. And then he vanishes, just floats up into, into the sky. Verse 10 and while they were gazing into heaven, he went, behold, two men stood there in white robes. These are angels. And said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? Note this, this Jesus was taken up from you into heaven. He will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Three things you need to know about the return of Jesus Christ. Jesus will be returning. He will return. It will be a personal return. It will be a visible 
It will be public. Every person on the planet will see Jesus Christ coming again. The good news of Easter is not simply that Jesus is alive. The good news of Easter is that the king will return. The king will set up a kingdom. The Bible says as well, well, the second thing you need to know is that Jesus actually will come back to the Mount of Olives. It says in Zechariah, on that day his feet shall stand on the Mount of Olives that lies before Jerusalem on the east. This is exactly what the angels had said too. Additionally, you should know that Jesus will first come for his church in the clouds. I knew there was something special about the great outdoors. I love the outdoors. I love the sky and the trees and I love to see it all. But we need to know there's far more than just creation that we ought to love. There is a creator and he loves you and he loves the world that he created. The Bible says he created everything and everything he created was good. Our king is coming back. We have an incredible hope for the future. The way things are right now are not the way things will always be. The Christian has hope in the present. The Christian has hope for the future. The Bible does not lie. Every word that Jesus promises, he will fulfill. And by the way, did you know there were over a thousand prophecies in the scripture, 500 that have already been fulfilled and another 500 that will be fulfilled. Jesus is a promise maker and a promise keeper. Amen. So what does this mean if Jesus is coming back? How should you live? What should you do? Three things. I would say, number one, be educated. Be educated. You need to know the scriptures. You need to, if you need to search other religions, search them. But compare them to the truthfulness of Christianity and the power in the person of Jesus Christ. No one is like Jesus Christ. Christianity is the largest religion of our world. There are more Christians than any other group. Jesus Christ is worth your study. Some of you have a high school degree. Some of you have a college degree. Some of you have master's degrees. I sat with a doctor right after our sunrise service, and I told him, you are an educated man. You are an intelligent man. You are an academic man. Study Jesus Christ. I want to challenge you to be educated. The Bible says that we not only have hope here and now through the power and the work of the Holy Spirit, if Jesus didn't leave, we wouldn't get the Holy Spirit. We have hope here being poured out in our hearts every single day. But we also have an incredible hope for the future. If you love the Bible, you ought to love prophecy. You ought to love the promises of God for the future. One third of the Bible is promises for the future. I'm a futurist. The Bible is a story from beginning to end, how everything begins, but do you know how it ends? We all know the story of creation, at least to some level. But do you know the story of the restoration of the world? Do you know the end? It's like the most incredible story. I remember walking into my class in Dallas Seminary. I walked into a big theological word I could hardly, hardly pronounce. Being from Arkansas, we don't know a lot, you know. 
But I walk in there and I learn eschatology and I think to myself, wow, what am I going to learn? It's the story of the end. And as I finished and I saw the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords restoring all peace, all justice, ridding every wrong, overturning evil and winning, I walked out the most confident, courageous, strong and filled in love with all of the scriptures. The good news of Easter is that there's hope for today. The good news of Easter is that he is alive and he's coming. Help me out. Back. Let's try that again. The hope of Easter is not only that we have hope for today, but we have hope for tomorrow that he is alive and he's coming. He's coming back. And some of you can't even believe that. Is it in this generation? I don't know. But I do know that people are beginning to think that perhaps in this generation that will happen. Did you know 40% of Americans have some expectation that this, we could be living in that time frame when Jesus would return? The second coming of Christ is the most frequently referenced subject in the New Testament other than salvation. It's all throughout the scriptures. 500 prophecies have already been fulfilled about Jesus, and there's another 500 prophecies to be fulfilled, literally, literally. The second coming of Christ is all throughout the Bible. If you love the Bible, you should love prophecy. The second coming of Christ is referenced no less than 17 times in the Old Testament, in 17 books, in 23 of the 27 New Testament books. It's all throughout the Scripture. But you know what's mind-boggling to me? There were so many people that did not understand the first coming of Jesus Christ. We celebrate Christmas as the first coming. But did you know in that day and time, there were so many people that were deeply confused about the first coming of Jesus Christ. And then when Jesus shows up, do you know what he says to the doubters, to the scoffers, to the mockers? He says this, you're fools. You know how to interpret the weather signs. You know how to see how the earth and the sky and when there's going to be a storm, but you don't even know how to interpret the signs of the times. You don't even know how to interpret the present time. My concern would be is that we as believers spend far too much time focused on the first coming, Christmas, and forget the promise that we find in Easter is that we have hope for today and hope for tomorrow. The Bible says there's going to be many scoffers and mockers. The Bible says that there's going to be a lot of scoffers and mockers in our day. The second thing I want to challenge you to do is to be active in your faith. If Jesus is coming back, then you need to be active in your faith. You need to be dealing with everything that you feel like you should deal with. Reconcile with that family member. Reconcile with that friend. Make things right. Life is too short. You should get right with God. The Bible says that he could come back at any point in time. Be active in your faith. The active faith is the dynamic faith. The faith that, that, that thrives is the faith that serves. During the pandemic, they did a study. The people that were the most active were the most healthy. There's something deeply woven inside of you that is calling you to be active, engaged, be a vessel of hope, of mercy to the world around you. 
The Bible says that we're to encourage one another all the more as we see the final day approaching. Number three, I challenge you is just be ready. Be ready for the return of Jesus Christ. There's a passage, Matthew chapter 24. It's a very prophetic from the mouth of Jesus. And he says, and you're going to hear war, about wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not alarmed. See that? He's bringing peace. He says, see that you're not alarmed, for this all must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation's going to rise against nation, the kingdom against kingdom. There'll be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. A study that I read recently was that 40% of Americans believe that this Bible verse is actually into play right now. Over the next few weeks, I'm going to be doing a message series dealing with a lot of prophetic text in the Scriptures. I want to encourage you to be a part of it. The series started today called Clarity in the Crisis. But most importantly, ladies and gentlemen, you need to be ready. You don't know what the next day holds. You don't know what the next hour holds. You cannot control the future. You are not the master of your fate and your destiny. Sure, you have a part in it, but Jesus Christ is. The Bible says that we're to be ready. It says, therefore, at the closing of Matthew 24, therefore, you also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. So I want to challenge you to get, get right with other people. God made us to be relational people. God made us to learn how to love our neighbors and to do a great deal of good in this world. You don't have to go into the church or become a missionary to do a great deal of good. Be you and bring the hope of Jesus Christ in all settings that you're in, from the schoolroom to the boardroom to the classroom. You let people know about the hope that they can find in Jesus Christ. And then secondly, I would just challenge you, you need to get right with God. Some of you are at odds with God. And you perhaps have lost hope in God because of your crisis or your situation. But remember this, friends, hope has never lost a hold of you. He's never lost a hold of you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. I do pray for everybody here today that would experience the hope and the power and the blessing of knowing you. For those that are distant from you, have been scoffers or mockers, might they today turn from their sin and quietly just confess right now, Lord Jesus, I need you. Save me. I've sinned against you. I've ignored you. I've distanced myself from you. Forgive me. I repent. Refresh me now in the mighty name of Jesus. I confess you as Lord. I believe in my heart, and I thank you that I will be saved. And for all of us, Lord, might we be filled up with hope, not only for here and today, but hope for the future. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said, amen. amen. Hey, and just thank you so much. Let's celebrate. God is good. Amen. In just a moment, our uh, ushers are going to come forward to receive an offering. Today, 100% of all our cash offerings will go to aid our partners in Romania and in Poland. We are in personal contact with these ministry leaders and serving the refugees from the uh, Ukrainian crisis. And so know that today, if you would like to contribute towards that. If you're brand new and don't want to do that, um, 
for all of you that are new, we actually have a gift for you in the back. So uh, love to get you connected. God bless. Let's continue to worship. Thanks so much for listening. If you'd like to support North Valley Church by partnering with us through giving, you can do so by visiting us online at northvalley.org. Thanks and have a great day.